Hi, and thanks for listening to a podcast from resistradio.com. My name is Britt D, and I'm happy to be joined by Andrew Child of the Anti-Monarchist Organization Republic. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for joining me today. Morning. You're welcome. And obviously a very busy time for you at the moment because we're coming up to the Diamond Jubilee, which starts on June the 3rd. So you must be really busy at the moment. Incredibly busy, actually. Yeah, I mean, uh, on the 3rd, we're organising what we're billing as the largest uh, Republican protest of the modern era. So, uh, yeah, that, that involves uh, a lot of work, you know, and a lot, a lot of that work is, is, is media and you know, talking to um, people like you. Um, but, you know, it's also organising you know, speakers for the event and, you know, publicising that event and you know, all the logistics that are involved in an event like that. So, yeah, a, a pretty frantic time, but, you know, an exciting time. And, you know, we feel like we're making history. OK, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about the history of Republic. How long has it actually been going for? Well, I mean, it, 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 I think it's been going for the best part of two decades in some form. But, you know, as a serious campaign, you know, about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's a, a slow building process. Um, now, you know, part of that is 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 money. But part of it is, is, is a mindset, you know, for a long time, republicanism, was regarded as something of a you know an abstract intellectual discipline and uh you know under the leadership of graham smith uh you know has slowly been turned into a proper campaigning organization you know it does go out there and do protests Mm -hmm. um and we've you know we've had this rolling program of protests this year which uh started um oh gosh a long time ago now um at the guild hall uh, back in february um when the queen was you know sort of kicking off her program of you know jubilee events um and yeah we, we, we've had since then a number of protests in london but also around the country in places like leicester manchester cardiff glasgow mm-hmm. you know we, we we really have built up Republic to 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 be a a national movement and not just something that's focused on London. Okay, so how long have you personally been involved, and what was it that kind of finally actually drove you to joining an organisation? I mean, it's it's quite a big step to take that leap to actually joining an organisation and getting involved in activism. It is, it it absolutely is. I mean, the first thing I would say is that I am I'm a lifelong Republican, or at least a Republican as long as they've had uh, political instincts. Uh, I, I would say things for me came to a head last year with two events. Uh, one was the sort of media frenzy around the the wedding, which made me, you know, mm. realise how and critical our media is. I mean, it, you know, treated it like the second coming of Christ or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing was the the AV referendum. Now I'm, I'm a big supporter of electoral reform and I thought it was very the the outcome of that referendum was a very bad day for democracy but you know it shouldn't have been surprising because the the quality of debate was pretty appalling and electoral reformers just weren't ready for that moment and and made some very simple mistakes um so you, you may say well what's that got to do with republicanism well 
I suppose I realised that there was something even more fundamental at, at stake, which is electing our head of state. And I do believe that when we start to have a proper debate about this, then there will be a sort of democratic cascade. And I think, we'll, you know, we will start to look again at our moribund first past the post voting system. You know, and, and maybe after, after more than a you know decade of, of, of promises, we might see you know proper reform of the House of Lords that's being talked about again at the moment. But that you know it was being talked about in in ninety seven, and you know that's an extension of our monarchical system, and it's a it's an upper chamber that's you know stuffed full of cronies, basically. Mm, absolutely, yeah. What I'd like to do now is just basically present some of the common arguments uh, for the monarchy and maybe you can just sort of counter those arguments. Yeah, I mean, happy to I would... take them. There isn't a single rational argument for monarchy <laughs> that I've come across so far, so very happy to take those. Okay, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the classic is that the royal family are, are good for tourism and that they're very good value for money and that they, they generate wealth for Britain. So how would you counter uh, that? Okay, idea? well, you, you've, you've got a few sort of questions bound up into, into one then. I mean, let, let, let's start with yes. uh, tourism, which is absolute uh, nonsense. Um, you know, about a year ago now, Republic had some discussions with Visit Britain, who at the, at the time were making the argument that, uh, you know, the monarchy is good for the UK because they're good for... Tourism, and we presented the rational arguments to them and forced them to back down. They no longer try to make this argument and realise that it, you know it's logically threadbare. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no doubt that you know some people come to this country because they're interested in our history. You know, and that includes monarchy and royal palaces. But if we move to a republic, that's that's still there. Mm. You know. We're not, you know, this, this isn't the sort of, uh, you know, dissolution of the monasteries or anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the monarchy, it, it, are, the monarchy are really on display anyway, so you could yeah. remove those and it wouldn't, it wouldn't even make exactly. any difference. You know, if, 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 if anything, uh, you know, moving to a, a republic would, would sort of put a focus on, on, on that history and if anything, you know, generate renewed interest in our history. I'll give you a, a little anecdote, if, if, if I may. Uh, the Palace of Versailles in Republican France uh, is in the world's top 50 tourist destinations, receives about 6 million visitors a year. Conversely, Buckingham Palace receives less than half a million a year. Now, part of the reason for that is because it's treated as a private residence and has this short summer opening a part of the of the palace now if Buckingham Palace were to become the people's palace under a republic uh, then you know we could actually monetize our, our royal history of course that, that's not why I'm a republican but mm-hmm. I, I, I just make that uh, suggestion to you mm-hmm. okay um, you know and, and clearly the fact that France is a republic you know doesn't stop people going to Versailles I think it shows that people you know can still very much be interested in in the royal history of a, of a republic and the history of its transformation you know into a republic yeah so what about the the value for money part of my question there um are we oh, are the gosh. taxpayers well, getting value for money not a great deal i'm afraid to say um okay. look the republic uh, published a report 
on, on this very subject uh, just over a year ago. Um, this, this is by far the most uh, expensive monarchy in the world. Uh, it's twice the cost of the next most expensive monarchy, which is in Holland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 200 times the cost of the Irish presidency. Okay. Um, now, you, the, the sort of ceremonial model that they have in Ireland is one that we advocate. So, you know, we see no reason why we couldn't have, uh, you know, a head of state for not much more than the Irish spend on their head of state. You know, the monarchy costs the British taxpayer, we've calculated the Republic, in excess of £200 million a year. Mm-hmm. Now, that's an awful lot of money. You know, we're, we're talking about the equivalent of 6,000 or more nurses, 9,000 or more police officers. You know, that's the equivalent of what it costs to feed the British Army for a year. Um, you know, and in, and in value for money arguments, you have to look at not just the absolute cost of something, but what you're getting in return. And I, I don't see what we're getting in return at all mm-hmm. you know as i say we, you know we don't think that ultimately they bring in the tourists you know and we don't think they project a particularly positive image of britain abroad in fact i i think the fact that britain has a monarchy makes it very difficult for britain to preach the gospel of democracy in the wider world you know to fight wars in the name of democracy, you know, and to support fledgling democratic movements, you know, like the Arab Spring. Now, it's not that's well, firstly, that's because we have a very imperfect democracy ourselves. So who are we to, you know, let lecture other countries about it? But secondly, let's let's look at the actions of our royal family. You know, you know, they're often portrayed as benign, but they're anything but. Now, the, the Queen, they're getting off for a couple of weeks ago now, had some rather unsavoury characters uh, around to dinner at the palace to help her celebrate her 60 unelected years. Um, this included uh, King Hamad of Bahrain and mm-hmm. King uh, Maswati of Swaziland. Now, these are people who murder their own people. Yeah. Who who, who uh, you know, quashed their uprisings uh, from uh, Democrats in, the, in in their own country with brute force. Yeah. Now, in the case of Bahrain, they actually uh, invited the Saudis next door to come in with uh, some armoured vehicles and, uh, you know, help uh, deal with a little local uh, difficulty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just these two kings. As you know, I mentioned the Saudis, I mean... This is a regime which is guilty of the most appalling human rights abuses. You know, it's at the moment it's sending a team to the London Olympics, which doesn't include any women. OK. You know, I mean, and, and, and that's, that's some people will say, as they did at the uh, debate at the Bishopsgate Institute on monarchy last night, that, oh, well, you know, the, the Queen does as she's told, you know, if she meets brutal dictators, then... Basically, it's because the Foreign Office have told her to. Well, that's not complete nonsense. On on the day of this dictator's dinner at Buckingham Palace, I had a conversation with Richard Palmer 
of he's a royal correspondent at the Express, and uh, he, he's a fairly candid guy actually, and he. He said that this is a crisis of the Queen's own making, that the Foreign Office had very little to do with this decision. It, as far as I'm concerned, it was the Queen showing utter disregard for public opinion, for democracy and for human rights. OK. The Bahrain, of course, being a, an imperial staging post, basically, it's the, the home of the uh, US Fifth Fleet. And as you mentioned, yeah, there's been some serious human rights abuses there absolutely um what would you say to people who say that obviously the the monarchy the, the royal family is a, a great british tradition and people who oppose the monarchy are being uh, anti-patriotic and uh, disloyal to their country how would you respond to those people uh, well yeah I hear, I hear this argument made a lot in, in fact it's probably the argument that's made by monarchists more than anything else you know you've got mm. people like peter Oborn at the daily telegraph for example I find the idea that monarchy represents Britishness, you know, that they represent who we are, deeply offensive. <laughs> family that is completely out of touch with the people. And, and you know, and as a result, you know, our monarch can in no way speak for us. Look, at the, at the end of the day, this is my experience. This is the experience of most people in the country. I went to a state comprehensive school. I rely on the NHS for my care. Now, neither of these things you could say about the royals. That you know, this would be an utterly um, alien experience. So I really don't understand how you know monarchy represents modern Britain. It's, mm. it's you know, it's it's completely out of touch. Now, okay, you, people argue well. You know, the monarchy can't help being being rich. They can't help being who they are. But they could they could try to understand the British people and to show they understand the plight of the British people. Because let, let's not forget we're in a double dip recession at the moment. They could make some kind of gesture, mm-hmm. bring them closer to the people. They could you know they could show that we're all in it together. To use David Cameron's famous phrase. <laughs> offering to pay the same taxes as the rest of us mm-hmm. now your listeners may not realize that the queen doesn't pay the same taxes as the rest of us but she doesn't she pays exactly what she wants to pay and uh, a deal struck with uh, former prime minister major um you know she's completely exempt from inheritance tax for example so you know if, if this is a monarchy that has modernized which I, I don't believe you know is in touch with the people then you know let's have some kind of gesture. I mean, look, the, the Buckingham Palace doesn't even pay its cleaners the London living wage. Okay. I mean, this is this is a family that is that is thumbing its nose at the British people, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and in terms of the question of patriotism, I mean, the current royal family aren't really British; they're, they're of G- Germanic descent. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a curious thing. I mean, yeah, the, the, their original you know, family name, if you like, was uh, Saxe Coburg. Mm. Um, you know, um, we're a multicultural, multiracial society now. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with, uh, you know, British citizens, ha- you know, ha- having that, that kind of background at all. In fact, in fact, we ought to celebrate it. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's not something they, you know, really acknowledge uh, at, at all. Um, and then the other you know, problem, the problem with having a, a royal bloodline, of course, is that our head of state, 
you know, as currently sort of designed, can never represent our ethnic diversity in this country. You know, we we lord America for having its first black president in Obama. Um, we, well, well, I'm sorry, we, we we can never have that as long as the royal bloodline continues. Mm, yeah. Sure. I yeah. think that's the shame of Britain. Mm-hmm. So there's been some uh, quite depressing stories coming out in the last week about how the uh, the royal family is its popularity is at an all-time high basically do you think this is propaganda or do you think there's truth to this because if so it's you know rather depressing mm. uh, I, no I, I i i would very much say that the the polling is being spun uh i think we were i think republicans given about 22 percent by the guardian poll recently um and and that's fairly consistent over you know 30 years of polling. Uh, then the mistake is to say, well, okay, if you're not in that 20 to 25 percent that Republicans poll, then you're a royalist. Well, that's simply not the case. And I, I think it's a lack of sophistication in the polling and also the reporting of the of the polling. There's essentially you know another 20 to 25 percent who are ardently royalist, but there's a swathe in between, 50 percent. Are really there to be persuaded, to be perfectly honest. If I mean, Republic's done some, commissioned some more sophisticated polling, um, and they ask questions like, "Do you think that Britain will be worse off without a monarchy?" And you know, those that think we're worse off, the figures around fifty percent. So. You know, if, 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 I, if I was playing the monarchist game, well, I'd go, well, OK, that shows that actually 50 percent of Britain's a Republican. But it, it isn't as straightforward as that. The, the, the whole debate gets caricatured. And let's not forget that the public hardly gets a look in or Republicanism even with the domestic media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do believe that if Republicans were given a sort of fair, proportionate slice of the debate in the media and unfortunately that that is where debate takes place then I do think our numbers would grow exponentially because as I said to you earlier there is not a single rational argument for monarchy and I I don't think there is any natural affiliation between the people and monarchy you have to remember that the British people are effectively bludgeoned into royal submission from quite an early age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's through schooling, you know, where monarchy isn't so much taught as as, as celebrated, mm. you know, whether it's through it's through the media, and you know, if 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 you're applying to become a new citizen of this country, you you, you take the citizenship test, right? And what do you learn for the citizenship test? You learn royal history. Yeah. But you, know, you don't learn about Oliver Cromwell. You don't mm. you learn about, you know, our Republican past and our break with monarchy. Uh, and at the end of it, you have to swear allegiance to the Queen. <laughs> yeah. And let's look at some of our democratic institutions, because, you know, this debate last night that I was at, you know, the royalists were saying, oh, well, look, we've got we've got an elected parliament or House of Commons, at least. Um, yeah doesn't have any real power but let's look at that parliament this is a parliament this is a house of commons that is not allowed 
you know, by statute to discuss royals. They can't be criticised. They can't be scrutinised in the House of Commons by an elected chamber. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting for a moment that we live in a totalitarian state, but there are many facets of the way that we treat monarchy in this country which are totalitarian. You know, despite everything, if, if people freely associated with monarchy, you know, if, if, if there wasn't if there weren't these sort of totalitarian trends, I, I would I would say fine. You know what? I'm I'm, I'm just going to let it go because despite everything, you know, quite a lot of people seem to like the royals. But you know that that that's simply not the case. You, you know, people. It's not left to chance. You know this this adoration, if mm-hmm. you like. Yeah, I mean, on the on the topic of the the media bias and the and the media propaganda, I believe that. Republic has actually threatened the BBC with court action. Is that is that correct? That is correct. Um, look, I mean, for the month, for, for for the media as a whole, um, there is unfortunately no democratic framework. There is nothing that says look, you you have to give fair, you know, proportionate uh, coverage to you know political groups, you know, minorities, and so on. Um, but the BBC has a governing charter which says that's exactly what it should do mm-hmm. in its reporting. And from what I've seen of its Jubilee coverage so far, the BBC is quite seriously in breach of its governing charter. And quite frankly, I want a rebate on my license fee. <laughs> You know, these these Jubilee events are not being reported by the BBC. They're being celebrated. And they, and they, and they, they talk about the Jubilee as a national celebration rather than a contentious event, yeah. you know, which it is. And that, that is, a, you know, is a complete disgrace. I mean, it's the BBC is throwing a concert <laughs> in Palace. I mean... Absolutely extraordinary. You, you, you know, you sort of have to pinch yourself to, to believe that this is happening in the, in the 21st century. I mean, if I, if I can give you one example, I mean, Andrew Marr made this trilogy, The Diamond Queen. And Andrew Marr used to be a serious journalist, physical mm-hmm. editor of the BBC. He was the editor of The Independent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for anyone who watched yeah, any of these programs for any length of time. I mean, it it was really quite appalling. You couldn't call it journalism at all. Um, there was one particular um, segment in the second program that sticks in the mind, where he he poses uh, this 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 question: you know, Do do the royal family represent value for money? Um, and he goes to one person and one person only to answer this question. And bearing in mind, he could have gone to a, you know economists. You know, people are well equipped to, you know, do these kinds of sums, if you like. And he went to one person only, and that was Sir Gus O'Donnell. Now, the Sir might be a bit of a clue to you here. <laughs> of the establishment, you know, yeah. for, the former head of the civil service and cabinet secretary. And he just pretty much said, yes, they do. And that was case closed. And then Ma moved on to some more royal fawning. Um, yeah, Gus, o, Gus O'Donnell was actually uh, recently accused of whitewashing the investigation into uh, Liam Fox, the Liam Fox-Adam Warity affair. It's, it's the same character. 
Uh, absolutely right. You know, he, he's very much an establishment figure and, you know, not someone you go to uh, for objectivity, quite frankly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, earlier you mentioned as well uh, this indoctrination of children, which for me is really one of the most kind of insidious aspects of all of this. I mean, I was just reading through a local paper the other day and, you know, it was all talking about what the kids were doing in school and they were making uh, things for the for the Jubilee parties. And I mean, it was quite disturbing to read, but it's just so widely accepted. And I know that Republic actually tries to get out there and speak to, to kids in schools. I mean, how, how's that going? And mixed, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, we, we, we do have a program where, you know, we, we're not looking to go into schools and to say, look, we must have a Republic. But what we're trying to do is to, just generate a debate, you know. So we're just trying to introduce some balance into schools. Now, this is something that Graham Smith, our chief executive, is, is very much involved in. But w- what he's told me is that we actually get more traction with independent schools rather than state schools. Mm-hmm. You know, because and it's a sad indictment of our state schools, but these independent schools do foster a spirit of independent mindedness. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I mean, the, the kids that go to those schools pro- probably, you know, share the same class interest as as as, uh, as as the monarchy. But 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 nevertheless, those schools are more interested in questioning the, the monarchy, and 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 so you know, I, I think we've had more success into going into those uh, independent schools now you know for some for someone who has a state school background I'm, I'm i'm really ashamed that it's not our state system that's actually doing the questioning mm-hmm. of, of, of the royals but unfortunately you know they're doing things like having uh, you know jubilee cooking competitions and yeah. so that really isn't the way to foster you know a spirit of independent uh, mindedness amongst our younger generation and I, th- I think this is this is really important because right now in Britain we're actually living in the most unequal society that there's been for 60 years uh, things are heading in the wrong direction now I don't blame the royal family for that or you know certainly not you know, there are many factors involved here but what I would say to you is that the monarchy, the royal family, are the most anti-aspirational symbol in Britain today. And I think it's extremely unhelpful to have a symbol which just says, accept your place in society, don't aspire to fulfil your potential. Mm-hmm. And when we do have this huge inequality, well, you know, almost complete absence of social mobility, you know, I mean, schools are doing a, a great disservice to the taxpayer, to be perfectly honest, by not having, you know, proper debates about these things, by treating, you know, monarchy as you know, a neutral institution. You yeah. know, I, I think schools should be fostering the idea that we should all be able to fulfil our potential, regardless of background. Okay. Right. Well, just to, to wrap up the conversation, uh, Andrew, maybe you can give us a few more details about the protest that you've planned for June the 3rd. Absolutely. Um, be delighted to do that. So we're going to be at a location called The Scoop, which is just to the right of City Hall on the south bank of the Thames, um, as, as, as you face it from the river. We're going to be there between 12 and 
five. Uh, we're going to have some huge bang banners. Uh, we've got 500 placards, you know, with lots of slogans like Make Monarchy History and Republic Now. We've got a program of speakers lined up that includes human rights activist Peter Tatchell, independent columnist Joan Smith, uh, academics like Professor Stephen Hazler and Ted Valance. So, you know, I think we, we can anticipate that, you know, these people are going to give some rousing speeches and galvanise Republicans. And, you know, I'm hoping for a really good turnout and hoping to see hundreds, if not thousands of Republicans there uh, on the Thames on a bright, sunny day. And we're going to be heard very loud and clear and we're going to enjoy ourselves. We're, we're, you know, we're angry. We're angry that, you know, 60 years of a, as the same unelected head of state is being celebrated, but we're going to have a good time. Excellent stuff. So thanks for joining me on resistradio.com, Andrew. And maybe finally you can just uh, drop the, the website address for uh, your organization. Absolutely. Uh, it is uh, www.republic.org.uk. Okay, thanks a lot, Andrew, and good luck with the protest on the uh, on the 3rd. Absolute pleasure talking to you, Brett. Cheers, man. Bye. Cheers. Bye.